Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Hello, my dear Broncos fans. Thank you for joining, and today I think we have a pretty interesting show. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing with the NFL that that it just never dies. It never goes away. There's always news. There's always something to talk about, even in the off season. I mean, before this year, I was eh, a bit of a, you know, a September to February NFL fan, or maybe an August to February. I'm a big time all sports fan. I love the MLB. I love the NBA. Um, I get a little bit more and more into into soccer over here since I live in Germany. And I'm just interested in multiple sports. And in NFL, I'd say it's it's a little, maybe just slightly above 
Major League Baseball. I love baseball. I love football. They're about equal in my heart, you know, in my appreciation, in my fanness. Um, but it's just, it really is an incredible thing that there, there's just always something. I mean, I mean, this week we had news about, um, 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 what's his name, Hunt uh, being picked up by Cleveland, the guy who was seen on video kicking a woman was just signed by the Cleveland Browns and their GM, who obviously has past experience with him in Kansas City. That's something we're going to talk about later. Um, there's news that Kyler Murray is going to play football instead of baseball. He's a two-sport two star coming out of college this year that um, obviously everyone was sitting around waiting to hear what he was going to do, who he was going to, you know, which sport he was going to choose. And it appears, he says at least, that he chose football. And that's going to be our first topic of the day. We're also going to have Skipper Dude come on later. And uh, he, he's going to wax a little bit philosophical. He's going to talk about you know how to be a productive fan, be a productive person. And and have a, he's got a really good segment coming up. I, I highly recommend you listen in. Uh, he'll be on, I think, in maybe the, the third segment today. And to finish off, we will perhaps have a fan rant. It, it really depends on the week. Um, but we've honestly only had one fan who's who's been willing to come on. That's Luke Short, and he's given some awesome fan rants. I, again, highly recommend anyone who's interested in giving a fan rant. It doesn't matter what you want to talk about. I only have two rules. It needs to be between one minute and 10 minutes long, and it needs to be clean. There can be no language in it. That's it. That's the. Those are the only rules. I mean, if you want to come on and if you want to talk about the AAF, if you want to talk about the draft, if you want to talk about the offseason, if you want to hate on the Patriots, that's all good. I just want to hear from you. I want you to be part of this podcast. It's not that I need it. I can sit here and talk for an hour, no problem. I mean, that, that's you know something that fortunately I was born with a gift of just being able to talk drivel for, for 45 minutes to an hour without stopping. So that's it's not like I need someone to come on. I want you to come on. I enjoy hearing fan rants. I enjoy hearing your opinion. I, I want to hear from fans from, from Germany, from, from England, from Denver, of course. I mean, and I know that there are listeners from all over the world who tune into this podcast, and I'd love to hear from you. So again, send your fan rants to KevinGillikinUSA at gmail.com. If you can't for some reason, if you don't get a response from me on there, then look me up on Twitter. You can find me at uh, Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. That's on Twitter. So look me up, send me a DM, and we will get rolling with these fan rants. I'm determined to get fan rants on this podcast. So if it's Luke Short, if it's anybody else, hit me up. All right. Okay, so my first topic of the day, and I think this is an interesting one because again, Murray is is he's a really interesting prospect. He's a young guy, a smaller guy coming out of Oklahoma, and he he's kind of this strange enigma this offseason that for for several weeks no one really knew what sport he was going to choose. He even went to the Super Bowl and and kind of did this whole round with the media, and he never really said anything. He never really talked. And he seems to be kind of controlled a little bit by his dad, who's, I guess, kind of his his agent in a way. But he also has a very, very powerful agent in baseball, and that's Scott Boris, who is 
maybe the most famous baseball agent out there, one of the most powerful, you know, highly respected and, and sometimes hated agents in, in Major League Baseball. He doesn't, as far as I know, have an NFL agent yet, and that spoke a lot to to many fans, many people thinking that he was going to choose baseball. I think on the other side, there have been rumors and speculations that his real love, the sport that he really wants to play is football, but it's all about, you know, guaranteed money, you know, which sport is safer, etc. You wonder what his dad's telling him. Maybe he's concerned about the health. Maybe he's concerned about Murray actually being a successful NFL quarterback. And obviously no one ever knows if anyone's going to be a successful NFL quarterback. But when you're a guy who's smaller, a guy who a lot of your um, strengths come in outside the pocket that tends to not work in the NFL. And we see that year in and year out. Now, I think Murray is a guy who has the skills that he could be a good pocket passer, but there's not a whole lot to see from him. He's 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 a guy that there's it's a lot of speculation. It's a it's a lot of 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 a bet. It's, it would be a big wager to put a, a high draft pick on Kyler Murray and just say, hey, this guy has the attitude, he's got the physical abilities to lead our team. Now since he came out, I, I believe, what, two days ago maybe, and said that he's decided to play in the NFL, which I personally take with a grain of salt, but he's, he claims that's the case, it seems that he probably would only do that. He would only concede to joining this league if he had some sort of guarantee or some sort of promise from one of the NFL teams. And that's an interesting thought, which means... It makes us wonder, okay, first of all, who would it be? I mean, because you never really know, obviously, how the draft is going to go. And Murray, no doubt, isn't going to guarantee he's going to play this sport unless he is at least in the first round and perhaps even in the top 10. And it has several people, a lot of people wondering if he got some sort of, you know, text message, some sort of underhanded guarantee from the Arizona Cardinals that they are willing to draft him. And of course, they have their head coach, young head coach coming out who said if he was in the NFL, he would draft Kyler Murray. Now, that was several years ago. It was kind of a, a speculative thing, you know, or, or maybe it was last year. I don't remember when it was. And no one really paid much attention to it. But it, it seems like, you know, it, it, there's where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And so it seems there's at least enough there to make us wonder if Arizona is already going to give up on Josh Rosen, who, of course, was their rookie draft pick last year in also a top 10 draft pick at quarterback. Now, he had a terrible year, but he was playing for a really, really terrible team and a head coach that got fired after one season. So it makes you wonder if Kyler Murray is going to be drafted number one by Arizona, then, of course, that means that Josh Rosen is going to become available by trade to other teams. So... It makes us wonder, is Josh Rosen the guy that the Broncos should go and get? Now, I posted that on Twitter yesterday and got a an, a different response. I mean, I, I asked my options were, okay, the options are Josh Rosen, Drew Locke, and a free agent from the NFL, or Case Keenum and then draft in 2020. Now, Case Keenum got very little love. Um and the free agents got very little love. The two that were pretty much split, almost 50-50, were Drew Locke and Josh Rosen. And I thought that was really, really interesting. 
And a lot of and a lot of comments for Josh Rosen and, and saying that they would pick Josh Rosen because he has his rookie year out of the way. Now, my opinion, my personal opinion, just watching the guy, I don't like him as a quarterback. I, I, I see something in his, I don't know, in his character, in his style of play, in his, I don't know, his selfishness almost, that I, it, he rubs me the wrong way. Now, that's just me. That That's just my opinion. That's just me personally. So I, I would not necessarily be upset if the Broncos went out and got him. If John Elway thinks that Josh Rosen is the future quarterback of the Denver Broncos and he can be had because the Arizona Cardinals are going to draft Kyler Murray with the number one pick, then okay, I'm okay with that if you really believe in it. And that's the whole point. I mean, why not just say, you know, if there's a guy you want, go get him. And that's what a lot of people, they criticized John Elway last season or last draft because they thought that John Elway really, really wanted Sam Darnold. Now, Darnold went a pick before the Broncos in last year's draft and, of course, went to the New York Jets. But the, the criticism is that if John Elway really wanted him, really loved him as a quarterback, why didn't he go and do whatever he could to get him? Now, we don't know. We don't know if that's just conjecture, if that's just you know speculation that we think he loved him. He, he maybe hinted that he loved him, but obviously he didn't love him enough to go and trade draft capital for him. And John Elway has kind of proven that he doesn't love trading a lot of capital to go and get one guy. Now, I think that John Elway is a guy who, who learns on the job, who's proven that he can be a good GM. Yes, he's made plenty of mistakes. We've highlighted those mistakes. He's been terrible bringing in quarterbacks, except for Peyton Manning, of course. But he seems like a guy who, who, who slowly kind of figures this out. He slowly figures out, okay, I need to put people around me who can help me you know, analyze and, and pick people that are, you know, draftees who are going to be, you know, obviously part of this team moving forward. And 2018 showed that there was something that went right. Obviously, they, 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 something clicked to allow them to pick the right players in the draft who, who went on to have a very productive 2018, even though the team obviously wasn't all that successful in last season. But, you know, a lot of people gave that credit to Gary Kubiak. I've heard some people give some of the credit to Vance Joseph, that Vance Joseph also had this mentality of bringing in high character guys rather than risking bringing in guys who are not known for their character and who are more talented but fall in the draft because of their lack of character. And that's something that John Elway has done over and over and over again. I mean, you can look at this with Bradley Roby, Shane Ray, even, I mean, perhaps Garrett Bowles. And, and, I mean, Garrett Bowles, maybe not with character, but with, I don't know, his mentality, his mind, how smart he is. And maybe Garrett Bowles pans out. You know, Roby wasn't terrible. Shane Ray was eh, okay. But I think Joseph or Kubiak, whoever it was that came in and helped Elway, I hope that that lasts because obviously Kubiak and Vance Joseph are gone. They're not part of the front office anymore. They're not part of this team anymore. So we have to rely on John Elway and now his new brain trust. And, and, and I imagine Vic Fangio and Skang Gorello and all these other guys who are, who are new to the team. And hopefully Elway and them can, can figure out what identity they need on this team. And again, if they believe that Josh Rosen is the guy who's going to help bring this team, help lead this team to future success, he can be the, the next the quarterback for the next 10 years then yeah, go go trade a first round pick or whatever you need to do to get him because that's what matters. That's what you have to have in this league. Of course, we see this year in and year out that you have to have a franchise quarterback. And Elway, of course, knows that. I mean, Elway knows that better than anybody. I mean, he failed with Paxton Lynch. He saw he saw that Trevor Simeon, <coughs> excuse me, 
can be a, a I mean, an okay quarterback, but of course he's not going to win you anything. Case Keenum is a guy who Elway has admitted is a short-term fix, and I mean, that has to kind of sting for Case Keenum, but you know, come on, he's a backup guy. He's a guy who's not going to lead you anywhere. He's going to, he's going to perhaps, you know, keep you level, you know, keep the boat, you know, from sinking while you look for somebody else. And so the real question is, again, yeah, who does Elway want? And and if he likes Rosen more than he likes anyone else in the draft, or perhaps more than anyone else he sees in free agency, or perhaps more than anyone else in the 2020 draft, then go get him. Go get him. I don't like it. That's not my, my that's not my favorite thing. I, I believe that the Broncos should stick with Case Keenum for 2019 and then go and try to draft somebody in 2020. It's just a much higher level of QB play coming out in, in next year's draft. I don't think you need to to panic and pick someone who you don't really like, who you don't really love. I mean, everyone's saying that John Elway loves Drew Locke. I am convinced that John Elway loved Drew Locke, but not in the top 10. I don't think Elway ever considered him in the top 10. Now, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know. I, I, I'm not personal friends with John Elway. I'm just guessing. This is my conjecture. That's what we do. This is a podcast. I'm just saying, I think... My opinion is that John Elway doesn't love Drew Locke enough to pick him in the top 10. This is an extremely, extremely high-level, defensive, stacked front end of the draft. And the top three, four, five quarterbacks are just not that good. Why go and spend a top 10 pick on a guy you don't love? Now, if you stick with Case Keenum, you don't go and trade for Josh Rosen. Let someone else do it. Drew Locke falls in the top five. Maybe he's picked by New York or, or Jacksonville. Maybe he maybe he falls. He could fall to the second round. If he falls to the second round, then the Broncos pick him. I, I have almost zero doubt about that. But if he goes in the top 10, the Broncos don't touch it. They just don't touch it. So I think, why not? This is an interesting theory. Why not run with Case Keenum 2019 and bring in a guy who can come in and compete with Case Keenum? A guy who can come in and say, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe he can be the guy. Maybe he can be the next um, Chad Kelly, a guy who can say, this guy could have a future here. And that guy is Bo Levi Mitchell, the Canadian football player who has been tried out by the Denver Broncos just in the last few months, and I believe could be an answer to at least come in and push Case Keenum for the quarterback job for the Denver Broncos in 2019. We'll talk more about that coming up after this. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. 
So as always, as we discuss this offseason, which seems like an inevitability, which has been the case since Peyton Manning left, that we always discuss the next quarterback, the future Denver quarterback, who is going to lead this team into the great beyond. And we don't know. And nobody knows right now. And it gets frustrating because we want to have this guy that you can just depend on. Now, that being said, it's it's pretty nice being able to talk about it year in and year out because it gives us pundits, us uh, podcasters, plenty of information or plenty of ammo to to discuss and to debate and say, okay, this guy is better than this guy and this guy could win and this guy. And it, it's all conjecture. But I, And I know I'm going to get killed for this. I know that there are going to be plenty of fans, especially on milehighreport.com, that just hate on me for even bringing up Bo Mitchell. But that's ridiculous because... The Broncos brought him up. The Broncos brought him into the conversation. They tried him out. They are likely going to give him a chance. It sounds like, and they're one of the, I think, the top three teams interested in bringing him in for a futures contract. So I'm not just pulling this out of my hat. This is something that the team is interested in. And if their guys, their professional scouts say, this is someone we should at least look at, why can't I talk about it? So give me a break. Don't tell me that he's not worth a look. Now, you know, if you look at Bo Mitchell, and you compare him to Josh Rosen, you compare him to Drew Locke, you compare him to Case Keenum, what is the major difference between him and these other three guys? Now, of course, Drew Locke, he's never played in the NFL. Of course, Rosen, one year. Keenum is a, is a longtime journeyman quarterback. Now, there's a big difference. Now, the one thing that I see is that Bo Levi Mitchell is a winner. Bo Mitchell has won championships. Bo Mitchell has played in big games, and he has won big games. He has been the most valuable player in big games. What has Case Keenum done? Yes, he won one playoff game in Minnesota on a miracle play that should never have happened. He won it, but was he the most valuable player? Uh, questionable. I'd say the, the 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 Saints defensive back was probably the most valuable player for Minnesota in that game. And I doubt many people would disagree with me. So Keenum, no, he hasn't won big games. What has Drew Locke won? What has he won? He plays in a in a in a weak conference and, and he's never played well against big competition. Okay, maybe one or two games where he played solid. What has he won? He's won nothing. He's won Jack Squat. Same with Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen played for a big-time football team, you know, UCLA, but they didn't win anything. He was injured half the time. He hasn't won anything. He has not proven anything. The reason why why fans like him is because he shows up sometimes with a big arm. He, he has a cannon. You know, he makes the throws. Okay, that, that of course that's important. But it's not everything. How many guys have come into the league who can make, quote-unquote, all the throws and are garbage? Guys with with, with you know, are six foot six and rocket arm. Paxton Lynch ring a bell. It's not all about the talent. It's not all about the gifts that God gave you. It's 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 so much about what is inside of you. What is your your heart? What have you done? What have you accomplished? What have you been through? Now these rookies oftentimes don't have that ability maybe they don't maybe they never had the chance and so maybe like drew lock you know it's not his fault he well okay maybe i guess you could say it's his fault he played in a bad conference but you can't really blame him for that 
Maybe if he had played in big games, he would have he would have succeeded. I don't know. But that's the point. We don't know. Bo Mitchell has played in them and won them. Yes, I get it. It's the Canadian Football League. But there's some solid football out there. What makes the Canadian Football League so much less in the eyes of football fans than, than college? It's got different rules. Yes, it's got a bigger field, bigger end zone. It's built for offense. Yes, that's all true. But this is a guy who is the, at the top of that league which is a solidly talented league. It's no NFL. Of course it's not the NFL. But why not give a guy who dominates the Canadian Football League a chance over Drew Locke? Okay, Drew Locke's younger. Maybe he has some more physical tools, but he hasn't won anything. I will take a guy like Bo Mitchell every day because he at least can bring into that locker room that mentality, that experience, that you know, know-how, how to win. And some guys on this defense in, in Denver still know it. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders knows it as a wide receiver. But the quarterbacks, I mean, come on, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, they're not big-time winners. They're not guys you, you lean on and say, hey, you know, they can tell you how it feels to win a championship. They can't. You know someone who could? Peyton Manning. And, and it always brings back to me the, the importance of leadership. How important is leadership in football, in basketball, in baseball, in all sports? And, and I, I saw a great, fantastic article by... Um, Harrison Wind of, of BSN Denver about the Denver Nuggets. And the Nuggets, as, as anyone who is a Denver sports fan knows, they are one of the top teams in the NBA, and they kind of came out of nowhere. They're the second youngest team in the league. Yes, they have this, this star in Nikola Jokic. They have some good pieces. But, but they didn't. there's not a much different this year than there was last year, except they're one year older. And one big importance, according to Harrison Wind, and according to the Denver Nuggets themselves, the big difference is the change in the culture of the locker room with the addition of Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, the point guard who hasn't played a single second for the Denver Nuggets this year because of an injured hip. He hasn't played one second on the court. But his contributions off the court, his contributions in the locker room have been so extreme, so vast, so important that many of the players and the coaches credit him for helping the team be where it is at the top of the Western Conference. His leadership, his his attitude, his experience, his know-how, he has done it. He has won. He has been at the top of of the NBA pinnacle. He was in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Celtics. He's been there. He's done that. He can say, this is what you need to win. And it changed the team as soon as he joined the locker room. And it speaks to me. It's so immense to me. Where was the leadership for the Denver Broncos last year? Who was that guy? Who was the guy who could come in and say, 
This is my team. This is this is how we are going to act in this locker room. And yes, sometimes it needs to come from the coaches, but not always. The, the coach cannot set the mentality of the locker room. Now, the coach has to make sure no one screws around. He has to make sure people are prepared to play. He has to make sure that you know he goes around and, and appeases people. I mean, Jackson in, in, in L.A. was the perfect example of doing that. He, he somehow knew how to operate with big egos. Yes, that's extremely important, and I think Mike Malone has done a great job. But Mike Malone, he he was was good enough, but he didn't push the locker room to that extra level for the Denver Nuggets. You had to have a player come in and push the locker room to that next level of of accountability and 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 comradeship and and camaraderie, I should say. And, and all these things that, that make a team great, that make a team different, that make a team special. And, and you can tell me all you want about Von Miller being a great leader. I don't see it. I don't see it. Von Miller is a great player. He is an all-time great player. He's an all-time Bronco. I love Von Miller. Number 58 will go down as, as one of the greatest. Of course he will. I love to see how he has changed, how he has grown, how he has matured as a person and as a player. But he doesn't lead the locker room. And, and an example of that is how bad the locker room was. Don't blame it all on Vance Joseph. Yes, of course, some of it is on Vance Joseph, just like some of it would be on Michael Malone if it was a bad locker room. But not all of it. The coach can only do so much. These are grown men, for goodness sake. This isn't college. This isn't high school. You know, in lower levels, in, in school, the coach obviously has more involved with that because they're still kids. He's still teaching kids, even in college. These are kids. It's a different level of coaching. It's a different aspect of coaching. When you're in the pros, you are a pro. Pro standing for professional. You should show up. But there needs to be that level of accountability from your peers, I think that's the case in, in many companies. If your peers push you and help you and set that attitude, that's what you want. If you're hiring people for a company, you don't only look for their experiences. You don't only say, oh, this guy has a great college degree. Now, yes, that's important, of course. But what? how's the look in their eye? How is their handshake? How do they interact with you? How do they interact with others during the interview? It's hugely important. Of course it is. Half of our world, half of our lives, more than half of it, is based off of how we interact with others, how we communicate, how we push each other in a good way. And it's even more important in sports. And that's what the Denver Broncos need to focus on this offseason. They need to bring in people who can come in and push this locker room to be the best it can be. Vic Fangio, I think, absolutely will help. He will come in and, and be that grandfather type who's going to be tough. He's going to be hard. He's going to be, you know, this is the rule. And if you don't follow it, then you're not playing. And I think he's that old-fashioned style. And that's good. That's really good. That's a great start. I think that's exactly what Michael Malone did in the Denver Nuggets locker room. But it's not enough. It's not enough. You must have a player or multiple players who can come in and tell the locker room, how it is. Now, of course, with some of that, you have to have the respect. You have to be able to say, hey, 
I have done it. I have won. I have been there. And we were there. We won. We achieved success because our locker room was great. Can Case Keenum come in and do that? No, he hasn't. I mean, there's proof. He didn't help the locker room last year. It wasn't a good locker room, so he didn't lead it. I mean, how are you going to argue that? You can't. Of course not. Josh Rosen, I don't know the guy. Maybe he's a good leader, but what has he won? What is he? Where does he earn the respect from his peers? I don't know. I don't see it. How about Drew Locke? Maybe, I mean, he's got a great personality, it seems. He seems like he's a natural leader. That helps. But what has he won? What has he done? Bo Mitchell has won. He's a winner. I say absolutely bring him in. 100% bring him in. I'm not saying he should be the next Broncos quarterback. I'm not saying he should be the future quarterback. But why not? What do you lose? I'm sure you're going to pay him almost nothing. Let him push Keenum at least. Maybe he maybe he pushes him enough that Mitchell takes the job for 2019. But at the very least, you bring in someone who has been there and has done that. And that is absolutely the case. I think that they should do this year. I don't think they should go after Rosen. I don't think they should draft Locke. I think you stick with Keenum for one more season. You draft in 2020 and you bring in Bo Levi Mitchell to push the competition and bring the leadership this team so desperately, desperately needs. Up next, Skipper Dude talking about how we as fans should always be productive. We should be in it for the right reasons. We should act in the right ways. Very philosophical, but definitely worth the listen because I think all of us can learn and, and, and experience and, and share how we believe the world can be better. Skipper Dude, up next. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today we're going to take a look ahead to the rest of 2019 with part two of a two-part series on 2019 goal setting. Last week we talked about some goals as Denver sports fans. I know at least I set a target of having all four major sports Denver sports teams, the Broncos, the Rockies, the Nuggets, and the Avalanche, make their respective playoffs, which, which would make Denver only the sixth city ever to do it, following Boston, L.A. seven times each, Philadelphia five times, New York three, and Dallas, of all places, once in 2016. 
So this week, we're going to turn our sights inwards at ourselves as fans and look at some personal goals to help us make better fans and more importantly, better contributors of ourselves to society. And I'll apologize up front if I go a little bit Vic Fangio here because personal development and person and maximizing personal potential is something I feel passionately about and I love to speak on. So so to start, how many of you have seen the movie The uh, The Incredibles 2? If you haven't, I recommend it. It's, it. It doesn't quite have the storytelling depth of the original Incredibles movie, but, but it's a good flick. There's a scene toward the beginning of the movie where the villain named Screenslaver gives a speech about humanity. Now, the speech doesn't honestly fit well into the rest of the movie particularly, but but it is quite an indictment on our 21st century world. And I think it's a deep philosophical discussion about us as consumers. So here's how the speech reads. It says, you don't talk, you watch talk shows. You don't play games, you watch game shows. Travel, relationships, risk, every meaningful experience must be packaged and delivered to you to watch at a distance so that you can remain ever sheltered, ever passive, ever ravenous consumers who can't free themselves to rise from their couches to break a sweat, never anticipate new life. Now, when I heard that line, my first thought was, oh my goodness, he's talking about me. But, but I think in a broader sense, Screen Slaver is talking about us all. And yes, it's one thing to spend three and a half hours of our Sundays or weeknights, 20 weeks or so a year, watching the Broncos. And of course, it's, you know, it's an entirely virtuous thing to be spending an hour of your week raising your football IQ and listening to the Broncos and Broncos podcasts on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. But as the 2019 calendar kicks into full gear, we should be asking ourselves, what am I doing actively to make the world a better place? What am I doing to be a producer rather than that ever sheltered, ever passive, ever ravenous consumer? Or, or what am I doing to experience life rather than just sitting in front of a TV and watching it pass me by? For, for my part, I know I went to bed last night and I was 25 years old, starting a young family with a beautiful wife and a promising business career and, and the prime of life in front of me. And I woke up this morning 53 years old, still the remnants of a family with, with three children under 18, still with a beautiful wife, but well past my physical prime and, and with my career landing gear, so to speak, engaged and now on the backside of my life. How did that happen? It went by so quickly. But, but as I look back, and I think any of you fans who are 50 plus out there will, will back me up on this, there are things that I regret and, and things I don't regret. I don't regret the t 10 children with which God has blessed you know, my wife and me or, or the relative poverty we've always had. I don't regret having never had an expensive car or an expensive house and never having been to Hawaii. What I do regret, though, are the countless lost opportunities over the years. Every time the boys wanted to play catch and I was too busy checking fantasy football scores, every time they wanted to go sledding in the snow but I didn't want to get cold or get injured, or every time the ever-beautiful Mrs. Skipper dude snuggled up with me at night and I rolled over because I was worried about not getting enough sleep. My only regrets, my friends, are, are those times when I had the opportunity to produce on, on a small scale and I let them slip by like a thief in the night. Now, now the sports world, be it the Broncos or the Rockies or even something like DU hockey, can, can be the ultimate in passive consumerism. 
but it can also be a phenomenal bonding opportunity. I, I know I took our, our oldest two boys to their first Rockies game in 1993, the very first year that, that the Rockies you know, were in existence. They, they were five years old and four at the time, and, and we went to the old Mile High Stadium, sold out with 70,000 fans, half yelling, go, and the other half yelling, Rockies. Still a memory that gives me goosebumps to this day. And, and you know, the, the younger boy got fussy by about the seventh inning, so we left early. But, but the event, going to that Rockies game, what was an event that left a deep impression on, on both those boys, as well as, as, as me. And it was a father and son bonding opportunity, like, like few other activities can possibly create. So later that same season, 1993, our five-year-old son asked if he could listen to the Rockies on, on the radio before bedtime. And Mrs. Skipper dude and I said, okay, figuring he'd be out by 8 p.m. It'd be a little, you know, a little phase that would, would pass quickly. Well, about a week later or so, it was 9.30 p.m. one night, I went into the boys' room, and little Paul was just crying his eyes out, still awake and exhausted. And, and I asked him what happened. And he said, full of tears, the Rockies lost. And he was so disappointed. It gave Mrs. Skipper Dude and I an opportunity to talk to him about life and about dealing with disappointment. It was a great life lesson. So when you're looking at it right and keeping things in the proper perspective, the sports world is full of good life lessons waiting to be had. So, so my friends, as we set goals for ourselves for 2019, I want to encourage every one of you to make it a goal to produce and not just to consume. If you're going to watch the Broncos on Sunday and you have children, make it a family event. Play catch beforehand. Sit and explain how the game works to the little ones. If you don't have a family... Use the Broncos as an opportunity to attack life anyways. Create a fan rant and send it to Kevin. Go sledding. Ride a bike in the mountains on game days. Take some risks. Take walks. Like Screenslaver says, anticipate a new life. One where you are in charge of it and it is not in charge of you. Life is too short to waste it as a mindless consumer. If you think of life as a marathon or as a race like St. Paul does in the Bible... Who wants to get to the end of that marathon having not broken a sweat? Where's the challenge in that? Where's the value, the joy, the memories? I know for my part, I want to hit that finish line of life without even an ounce of energy left in my broken body. I want to leave it all out on the field. And when you get to my age, and perhaps even much older, as some of you listening to this podcast are, what really sticks with you is the joy you've brought into this world, the hearty, wholesome laughter the jokes you've told about yourself, more importantly, the memorable things you've done, the, the difference you've made in the lives of other, others. That, that, that all starts with a commitment, making a goal to attack life, drive the ball downfield rather than simply fumbling once or twice in life and going through life hanging your head. We only get one shot at this thing we call life, my friends. Let's make it count. Kevin, back to you. Yeah, and I, I have to add on to Skipper Dude, and thank, thanks again for him for always coming on and providing awesome content and, and very different ideas, and I love that. I mean, because different, that's why we listen, right? I mean, we don't want to tune into a podcast or read an article that tells us the exact same thing over and over, and that's that's partly why I have a different approach. Now, I have never gotten a complaint about my podcast, per se. I, I hope people enjoy the podcast. I think it's a different 
twist. It's more of a, a look at the psychological, the, the dra- dramatic side of sports rather than just the the numbers because I'm just not a numbers guy. I mean, I like looking into the numbers, but it's it's not what I understand or what I get out of football or sports. And that's what I talk about. And I hope people enjoy that. Now, on MileHighReport.com, I usually get a lot more grief. But like like Skipper Dude said, I mean, you know, you just got to, I don't know, appreciate things more. I mean, stop looking for the downside of everything. I mean, I get so many complaints about my posts. And it's like, come on, guys. This is a fan site. This is my fan opinion. I'm not an expert. If I was an expert, I'd be getting paid a lot more money. And I wouldn't be living in Germany. I live in Germany and I have a podcast, which I hope is fun. I hope it's enjoyable. I hope people sit and listen and enjoy but I, I want to bring a different voice, a different approach, a different look. I need to look at, at, at aspects that not everyone talks about. Now, yes, sometimes I should get more into stats. That's probably true. And in the article, I will try to put out stats that compare Josh Rosen and Bo Mitchell and Case Keenum and, and Locke. But you can't always compare stats, Right? Because how do you compare stats between Rosen, Mitchell, Keenum, and Locke? Locke has never played a game in the NFL. Rosen's played one season. Mitchell's played, what, six seasons or five seasons in Canada. Keenum has played, you know, here and there for different teams and has had different levels of success. How do you compare them? Keenum is a perfect example. Keenum had fantastic stats in Minnesota last year, two years ago, I should say. And he laid an egg here in Denver. But but Keenum in Denver was what Keenum had been before Minnesota. So stats don't always tell the whole story. You know, oftentimes the story is, is what environment does the player come into? Is he put in the right position to win? And now Case Keenum was obviously not put in the right position to win. I, I will never know. I don't think any fans will ever know what Bill Musgrave was thinking. I don't think he used any of the talent to their best abilities. I don't think Vance Joseph did either. But especially on offense, it's like, guys, what are you doing? I mean, Case Keenum is great at play action, and they almost never ran play action. You had two really good running backs, but you didn't use them. I I mean, it it was baffling, mind-boggling. And hopefully, this new coaching staff is better at doing it. And I think Vic Fangio absolutely has proven as a defensive coordinator, that he is good at just taking the talent he has given and using them to the best of their abilities. Their abilities. That That's such an important phrase, such an important sentence, because so many coaches come in and say, my scheme works. My scheme works. Whatever, I don't, I don't care who we have. I don't care who's playing cornerback. We're going to play plus press coverage because it works. It's worked before and will work now. You know, that's garbage. (laughs) It's just garbage. Some players play different styles, different schemes better than others. Of course they do. Maybe it's because of what they learned in college. Maybe it's because they're just, their skill level, their talents, their physical abilities are better at playing one thing than another. And coaches, that's how you get the best out of your players, the best out of your 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 defense or your offense. Wade Phillips is a perfect example of that. 
Wade Phillips takes the guys he's given and he works with whatever he has to build a good or great defense around it, around their abilities. And I think Vic Fangio is going to do that. I think Fangio is going to, at least on defense, figure out, okay, this is who we have. Now let's make it work. And that's awesome. I love that. And I hope if it's Case Keenum, which I believe it will be in 2019, he will be given at least a better opportunity to, to succeed. I don't want Case Keenum to not succeed. I want him to be successful. I, I think a lot of fans are, are scared that if Case Keenum succeeds in 2019, the Broncos are just going to stick with him forever. Of course not. Elway has been very open that Keenum is a short-term fix. That's why they signed him to a two-year contract. Now, Keenum, of course, comes out and says, yeah, I'm a franchise quarterback. I feel like a franchise quarterback. What's the guy supposed to say? What do you want him to say? Fans in, in pundits and talk shows came out and gave him a hard time for saying he's a franchise quarterback. Should he come out and say, oh, yeah, I'm a Band-Aid. I'm, I'm, I'm not very good. I'm not a starting caliber quarterback. Why? <laughs> come on. What do you want him to say? I, I, that drives me crazy drives me crazy when 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 quote-unquote experts are all over players for for saying hey yeah I'm a starter I'm a franchise quarterback even if they're not yeah of course you always talk up beyond what you are always if you go into a job interview do you go in there and say no bro you know I'm actually not a very good writer um I just kind of wing it you know ah I'm I'm a scrub, honestly. You know, honestly, I you shouldn't hire me long term because yeah, you know, there are better writers out there. Of course not. Of course not. But in sports, for some reason, people jump on on these guys for saying, Yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Give it a rest. Come on, of course he says he's the guy. What's he supposed to say? Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, I hope that they give him the best opportunity to win, or whoever the quarterback is. I don't know. Rosen, Mitchell, Keenum, Locke. Whoever it is, I hope they give them a chance. They can't be any worse than Musgrave or or, or Woods or, or VJ. It can't be. So that's the good news. It's got to get better, right? It ha- I, I can't imagine it being worse in levels of, in terms of saying, putting your players in the right position to win. Has to be better than it was. Absolutely. What else is in the news in the NFL? Um, talking about leadership, talking about accountability, talking about locker room. Kareem Hunt was was signed by the Cleveland Browns. John Dorsey is their GM now. He was a longtime uh, front office guy in Kansas City, so obviously he knows Kareem Hunt. They're giving a chance to a guy who who was seen on video has has been videoed kicking a woman who was on the ground. I mean, in my opinion, it's it's absolutely inexcusable. It's something that I, I wish I was a, a, an NFL player so that every time Kareem Hunt got the ball, I, I could just hammer the heck out of him. I mean, I, I just, I mean, how on earth does a guy who physically abuses a woman, and this isn't the only case. This happens over and over and over and over. These guys are are, are convicted. They're they're proven to have beaten a woman and they still get a chance in the NFL. Many chances, not just one. All the time. 
it's 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 absurd. Absurd. Now, yes, he's probably going to get suspended for for ten or twelve games, but he's still going to play five or six. Come on, I mean, what is wrong with this league? I mean, how on earth does does Colin Kaepernick not get a chance for kneeling during an anthem, or even wearing wearing cop pig socks? Now, look, my politics. I'm a conservative. Okay, I don't I don't mind saying it. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but that's what I am. Okay. I don't fault you for being a liberal or for being whatever you believe. That's what I believe. I, I am a, jeez, I, I, I come from a big family of Catholics. All right? I'm not ashamed of that. But even then, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty far right. And, and it's like, come on, what's the deal? Why on earth Why on earth is Kaepernick not in the league? I, I, I can't imagine, unless it's his talent. But, but I mean, come on. Are you saying Colin Kaepernick has less talent than... than I mean, some of these quarterbacks in the league right now, Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles started for what, two or three years, got a big contract and, and Kaepernick's out of the league for kneeling during the anthem. Now, look, for me personally, yes, I will, don't want to kneel. I don't like them kneeling. The, the the last thing I want in sports is for people to make political stances because I go to sports to get out of the political sphere. Sports is a different reality. Sports should be pure and clean. And yes, I get it. There have been plenty of cases where where sports have become integrated, you know, intermixed with politics. But oftentimes it's for the good. Jackie Robinson, for example. Now, that was, of course, interwoven with politics. But, I mean, you know, at the time there was huge controversy about it. But now, of course, we're, we look at him as, as one of the greatest heroes in sports history. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with Colin Kaepernick. I don't I don't really love what he did, but what the heck? How is he out of football and a guy who was on video kicking a woman who was down? How is he still in the league? Baffling. And there've been even crazier stories. I mean, I mean not even just beating women. I mean, how can you get crazier than that? But I mean, guys who've who who've been convicted of manslaughter. They, they, you know, the, the league maybe pats them on the hand, you know, smacks their hand a little bit, and they're right back in because they have talent. But uh, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. it. It's bizarre. I mean, obviously, we we learn over and over and over that the football is king. But sometimes it drives me nuts because it, it's it's the, the league makes such questionable decisions sometimes that it, it's it's incredible, especially with with domestic abuse. Of all things, that should never be welcomed should never be accepted it's putting your hands on a woman and i i think i can't imagine there's anyone listening who doesn't agree with me and how do we get that across to the future generations to the young people of the world how do we get across how inappropriate how absolutely unacceptable ever it is to touch a woman to hurt a woman physically abuse a woman how bad, how unacceptable that is. How do we get that across to the next generations if these guys that they look up to, they're, they're, they're heroes, oftentimes, unfortunately. They're heroes. Go in and do something terrible and abuse a woman, and then they're right back in the league with almost no problem. Terrible. Inexcusable, in my opinion. But life goes on. And... I lost some respect for the Cleveland Browns. 
I'm a big Browns fan. I, they're my number two team, and they have been for years. I covered them for, what, I think two seasons with Cover32.com. They were my second team, and they have been. I mean, they're terrible. They've been terrible for a long time. So I was really feeling good about the Browns. I like the direction the Browns are heading in, and this honestly takes it a step backwards. Absolutely it does. My 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 like and, and, and desire for them to win is is much, much lessened now. Absolutely. I, I'm going to find another team besides the Broncos. And now that the Browns might actually compete with the Broncos, it was probably going to happen anyway. But, but I don't know. Whatever. I guess what can we do? Not, not root for the Cleveland Browns is what we can do. What else is going on in the, in the football world? The AAF, the Alliance of American Football, kicked off this weekend. And I thought it was interesting. I didn't watch the games because, as most sports events, they're at about 2 a.m. in the morning for me here in Germany. But I did watch the highlights, and I thought it was pretty interesting. I, I think it's an interesting league. It's an interesting idea. It's, it's a good concept that they can help build new ideas into the NFL. I think the NFL needs new ideas. They need help in refereeing, for goodness sake. They need help in terms of, of I don't know, you know, making the game faster. The game is so long that the Super Bowl, I was up, good grief, I think I was up till 4 a.m. for the Super Bowl. It was like four and a half hours long or something. That's obscene. Now, I get it. Part of it is the halftime show, but but the commercials, the the length of the game, Look, I love football, but man, oh man, it gets to be like a baseball game. But a baseball game, you can sit and kind of have on in the background, and, and you're not always fully paying attention. But football, you, you kind of need to pay attention because I mean, there's 16 games, things are faster. But when they're that long, man, it, it wears on you. And I hope that's something they can change. I don't know how. Maybe it's by shortening the, the play clock. Maybe it's by taking out kickoffs, at least just taking out commercials. And, and I think the AAF did a good job with that. I think they are... There, it's a good idea. It's a, it's a, it's cool to have a developmental league for players, but also for rules, for ideas. And the NFL, I think, accepts that. I think the NFL is going to embrace the AAF. I think they already have, honestly. And I'm excited to see it. I, I, I like watching the highlights. I mean, I don't think it's the highest quality of play. But for the first game, you know, after a fairly short preseason, it was okay. It was okay, I think. I, I, I didn't mind it. It, the level was enough to make it interesting. And, and the highlights of guys getting just absolutely clobbered were awesome. They're awesome. I mean, the NFL, you don't, no one hits anyone anymore because they're too afraid of penalties and of fines. And that takes so much away from the game, in my opinion. You end up with a Super Bowl where you have decent defense, but really, you know, it's not fun. There's no, there's no excitement. I mean, you know, the, the Broncos in 2015, I think, were the last example of a team that had a really fun defense to watch. Now, maybe that's just because I'm a Broncos fan, but they were really getting after the quarterback. They were leveling guys. They were hitting hard. You remember Darian Stewart hitting Edelman and Amendola during that that championship game? Oh, man, that was good. And that was some real football. And I missed that. And, and that, that physicality, I didn't see that. I haven't seen that in the last two years at all. And it's because every year the NFL gets more and more wussified. And, and I understand it. You want to keep guys healthy, but this is the guy's choice. A lot of these guys have, have had choices to to play different sports or to I don't know go and have a normal career in something else. They're, they're most of them are, are college graduates or many of them at least. They didn't have to play football. They put their body on the line. It's their choice. And yeah, it hurts. I played a little bit of semi pro football and I still hurt every day. So yeah, it's a dangerous game. It hurts. But that's what they sign up for. 
quite literally. That's what they get paid for. So I don't feel that bad for them. I, I mean, it, it's terrible what happens to some of their brains, but that's their decision. It's like if you become a boxer, you have a pretty good idea. Your brain's going to get pretty mashed up. But you do it anyway because you know why? The gold purse. It's worth it, at least in their opinion. So bring it back. Come on. And I hope that the AAF and these big hits going viral and, and fans clearly just absolutely falling in love with, with old-fashioned football and old-fashioned just pounding hits. I hope the NFL sees and sees that, okay, they need to take a step back and, and have at least bring back some of that back to the NFL. Some of it, fine. I, I get it. You don't want the quarterbacks to get hurt. You don't want the top money makers to be injured. I'm okay with that, but you can't go absurd. You can't, I mean, geez, that, that penalty against Tom Brady are on Tom, or I should say on the Kansas city chiefs when they, when they, what they sideswiped his shoulder was one of the most insane, ridiculous things I've ever seen in sports. And we don't want to watch football for that. Come on. We don't want to watch football and see flags every time Tom Brady gets touched. And we do. Absolutely. We do ridiculous and I, and I hope the NFL sees that hey you know that needs to change ah that was a fun podcast. I, I enjoyed this podcast there was a lot to talk about on the drama and psychological level so again the NFL just never ceases to amaze me in, in how there's just always something there's always something next week there will be something if it's some other player being signed if it's someone else deciding hey you know someone else should play football instead of baseball if, if the Broncos make some sort of comment about who they're going to draft, you never know. Something's always happening. And, and, and I'm really glad that I can be here on, on Broncos and Bratwurst and talk with you the sport that I love. And, and I think, as always, MileHighReport.com and Vox Media for giving me the chance. And I highly, highly recommend you check out the podcast with Adam Alnati and Ian St. Clair over at Mile High Report, the MileHighReport.com podcast. You can find it on iTunes and everywhere else. Please download it on pretty much any podcasting outlet or platform. I highly recommend their show as well. And as always, for all of your Broncos information, head over to milehighreport.com because nobody, nobody covers the Denver Broncos better than these men and women at milehighreport.com. That's it for me. Um, we'll see if there's a fan rant. I have yet to receive one. So as of right now at 9.25 a.m. on Tuesday morning in Germany, there will be no fan rant, but it can always change. I usually publish about 10 hours from now. And so if someone else decides to give me a fan rant, then I will publish it right after this break. If not, you all have a fantastic week, and I will see you again next Tuesday.